Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The home of Patriots Monday and Friday. 93.7 WEI-FM and HD1. Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. Football Sunday is brought to you by New England Recovery Center in Westboro and by Kubota Tractor and the New England Kubota Tractor Dealers. Time now for WEEI Football Sunday with Andy Gresh, Christian Arcane, and Mike Cadlick. Now, WEEI Football Sunday. At 8.20 this evening, it is the Patriots and the Miami Dolphins down at Gillette Stadium. The Patriots looking to avoid going 0-2 at home. It is WEEI Football Sunday. Christian Arcan, Mike Cadlick is here. Gresham on the way. And uh, I'll tell you, the uh, the masses will be disappointed. No Stiz Bruno uh, trending today. He's got some sort of, I don't know, somebody pulled some teeth. He got hit upside the head. His eyes are all cross-eyed. He's speaking funny. We have no idea what's going on. I got some stitches. There you go. Good. All right. Well, see the other guy. Stiz will uh, stitch Bruno. Yeah, stitch Bruno. That's right. You weren't snitching to getting those uh, stitches, were you? Well, no, no, never. uh, We will get to the uh, (laughs) Patriots and the Dolphins, but let's walk backward, boys, and start with uh, the season opener against the Philadelphia Eagles. There was some good. There was some bad. I think overall, much more competitive than people thought. Uh, Arkan, now that you've had a week to kind of marinate on this, uh, what was the biggest sort of takeaway, good, bad, or indifferent from the game against the Eagles? I think the biggest takeaway for me was that while the Patriots certainly have the uh, type of defense that I think can stand up to a a quarterback like Jalen Hurts and keep him in check, which is something they hadn't been good at uh, recently with mobile quarterbacks. They've had a real bad record recently, and I thought they showed the ability to sort of limit him and uh, limit that very explosive Eagles offense then I saw the Eagles offense again (laughs) I realized well wait a minute maybe they're and they did have some plays against Minnesota it's not like they got completely shut out and it was a short week so you know there was that that sort of uh, Mm -hmm. factors into it as well but uh, the main takeaway I still think has to be Mac Jones it has to be Mac Jones and the way that he was able to uh, hang in a shootout didn't win the game but definitely made enough throws to win the game certainly at the end there and uh, was let down by his cast of characters I think that stuck out to me the most and is still my biggest takeaway and I think still going to be the biggest roadblock this season for him I go offense in general as well I think we were sitting here a week ago worried about the offensive line and the injuries they had with you know 
on Wenu and Strange than we talk about. I, I figured they were going to play last week. All of a sudden, 90 minutes before pregame, they come out. Everyone's like, holy crap, Mac's going to be oh, you know, on his behind the entire game with that front seven. Mm-hmm. That was our main uh, thing about the Eagles last week was that front seven. And even with two rookies on the inside, they kept them in check. They schemed around the fact that they had one of the best pass rushers in football. They got the ball out quick. Mac was only on the ground twice. He said that they were his fault. So, I mean, again, that's that's quarterback speak, right? But um, I think the offense... He said that the, the protection was good. I mean, yeah. And it was, he was right. Like, right. The protection was good. Yeah, it was. And so um, I think that was the main takeaway, that they, they are going to be able to, you know, like you said, Arkan, put up points uh, this season. Mac does need that signature win. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I hope that tonight's game is close down the stretch because obviously you'd, you'd think that, you know, just pull them out. But... He needs to finally get over that hump of, okay, it's time, it's my time, I'm going to go and put one in the end zone. And again, it wasn't really his fault, but I think he still needs that to sort of get some you know confidence going. You know, and you say that, and if it happens against Miami, I wonder how much credit he will get because right. there's the constant moving of the goalposts where if you get it against Miami, well, they're only this, they're not that, they're not one of the great teams. They're they let up 34 right to L.A. last yeah, week and exactly. it's on the ground and all. Yeah, right. Oh, when we unpack Miami, I'm not, uh, again, you know, everybody is going to run around naked in town square, lubed up in baby oil because there's wide receivers. Good Lord. Uh, it's as if, yeah, again, you know, Tyreek Hill leaves the Chiefs, they still win the Super Bowl. Right. Like, there, there is some context to be had. But I'm kind of with you guys in terms of the big takeaway is they're no longer offensively inept. And it wasn't perfect by any stretch. Mm-hmm. And you haven't even seen the right group out there yet. And that's why I hope on when who gets in a little bit today. Who knows about Cole Strange? I know we'll get to the injury stuff. Don't know if Trent Brown is going to be able to go. Who would have thought that Kadarius Lowe, ladies and gentlemen, look him up in your uh, look him up on your roster uh, at weei.com or at patriots.com because it feels like those trades that were made at the uh, end of the regular season might be one of the dudes that are in the lineup yep. today in uh, jamming Kadarius Lowe in there. You know, the other thing too, I thought defensively. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles, it's funny, guys, because, and Arcane, you just mentioned, and once you get a second look at the Eagles, it's like, oh, okay, wait a minute. Like, they did good against Minnesota. They played well, but it wasn't the same as it was sort of last year with them. And I don't want to take away what the Patriots did, because I think at the end of the year, we're going to see that Philadelphia will probably have a pretty good representative offense out there. But there was definitely that whole year one you had the rise and you gave coordinators a summer to sort of plan what you do. And uh, that really was another big part of the story is that the Patriots did a great job against that offense and Jalen Hurts in particular. Yeah, and not to mention, you know, it's two straight weeks of this incredible pass rush in Philadelphia. And, I mean, I don't know. Kirk Cousins looked pretty comfortable back there in those game – well, I was about to say game-winning drives, but he definitely got him back into the game at the end there. And that is when you're just pinning your ears back and going for it. So, yeah, between the Eagles' offense Mm -hmm. getting uh, stifled, I would say, by the Patriots most of that game when they didn't have a short field and maybe their pass rush being a little overrated coming into this year – I still think they're a good team in that division and a good team in the NFC, but maybe uh, maybe the, the preseason hype was a little overblown there. And you're right about the coordinators. Back, right? yeah. doesn't, doesn't it feel like Philly might take a half a step back? Now, they had such an amazing year. What right. could that turn into? 12 wins? Right. It still makes you a top-five team in the league. Yeah, what is that half step back? And again, it's like, is it a Super Bowl hangover? Maybe. they, You know, the 
the end of last season ble- bleeds into this off season, and so they don't get as much rest and recovery and all that you know crap down the stretch. But um, no, I still think that team's going to be legit. I think they just sort of need to hit their stride just like they did last season. Like we didn't think after week one and two last year that Philly was going to make the Super Bowl. They ended up hitting their stride down the stretch, and they were you know that nasty team that everyone. Uh, talked about last season so I think that Patriots probably got them at a good time if they saw them in week 10 we might be talking about something different here but uh, talk about maybe some Brady momentum and the fact that they're you know coming off the Super Bowl last season they kind of got a, uh, a good matchup against Philly. We're talking about them like they're not 2-0 too. Like yeah. They, yeah <laughs> haven't right. lost a game. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> no it's true well that's what happens when the expectations get raised there's yeah. no question. Right. What was the worst part of the Patriots loss to the Eagles on Sunday? I'm going to go with mistakes. They're still losing games because of mistakes. Mm-hmm. They have a sack on Jalen Hurts that Dietrich Wise is off sides on. Um, even uh, Kayshawn Booty stepping out of bounds, not once but twice. And, yes, it's his first game, but that's something you work on. As soon as you leave college, you can't only have one foot down anymore. You need to have two. So that cost them twice. Um, a couple false starts, a couple offsides. Like, it's just those little things that add up, and it's what killed them last season. They were... Eight and nine last season, they probably could have won two or three more games if they just didn't make mistakes. So even though the offense, you're right, it's not challenged anymore, they still need to clean it up on all three phases of the game. To I mean, that uh, you got to win a football game. Look, the the hold on the two point conversion completely right. changed the game. Yep, 100%. it changed the math. It ended up calling you know questions or it ended up calling uh, into question some moves that Belichick made. You just get that you get to within three. Right. I would have loved to have seen what happened, but. It's hard not to come away with, and in particular, the offensive mistakes because it felt like it was across the board. I think Moffey got one. So ended up getting yep. one. Anderson had one. You know, the misconnections with Mac and Booty not getting their feet in bounds. What was it? Four veterans had drops yep. of various. Now, again, I know that's turned into Mac didn't throw the ball hard enough. Hey, like Hunter Henry said, the thing almost hit me in the junk. <laughs> right? So, like, for everybody who was he told us that on Monday, it yeah. was like, yo, I can't drop. He's like, people are going to quibble about He's like, it hit me in the, it almost hit me in the nards. I got to catch that right. thing. He made up for it, though. He did. That was a nice one that he yeah, had. Yeah, that, that one-handed snag was uh, something. And it's yeah. funny because we asked him about that on Patriots Monday, and he was just like, it's just one of those plays that we've run like a hundred times. So it makes me wonder if conceptually there was a little bit of something left over from Matt Patricia, which God forbid. Oh God. I would hope not. I um, mean, too. I thought that the uh, mistakes were a big problem. I was I was forgiving on the offensive line. I feel like on the O-line in particular, there were some uh, false starts and stuff, but all the holdings, it's like, you know, you got a bunch of rookies out there. Go ahead and hold them. It's better than Matt getting his right. ass kicked. Like, I sort of felt like if that's the trade-off, I was okay with it. Um, my biggest problem, though, is the lack of run game. If the Patriots can't run the ball, yeah. then they're not going to win any game. And it's not, you know, it's not that uh, Mac Jones can't score, but they had three scoring drives. That's it. You know, they were afraid to uh, put the kicker out there, which I thought was a little uh, weird by Bill, and we can get to that later, obviously, the uh, the, the clock management and points and all of that. But I thought the fact, the inability to run the ball was a real problem and I think made them super one-dimensional, and uh, that was part of why I think it was so hard for Mac to, to lead him back at the you end know, of the game. The other thing, too, with in terms of running the ball is it never felt like they tried to line up to knock those guys backwards. Right. It was more of the spread it out, shotgun runs, 
we didn't really see either a sixth offensive lineman or let's put both tight ends in the game and let's put you know wide receivers in the game who have the ability to block. I'm not saying to go Buffalo on them when they went up there, don't get me wrong, but it never felt like they lined up in to, to try to play power football and running it. It was more finesse, and to me, that's not Zeke and Ramondre. No, it felt like cha- like change of pace almost. Yeah. Like We have you spread out every time. We're dinking and dunking, Max making reads, and all of a sudden we're going to hit you with a run, and they stuffed it every single time. I thought Danny Woodhead was back. That's the way <laughs> yeah. they were operating, right? Like, it's go to the shotgun and hit him with the draw underneath, or let's flare it out. Seriously, him. and I think that's how... You're not going to be able to beat Miami with those type of runs. You're going to have to line it up and ground and pound it uh, on tonight on Sunday. And I think we'll get to that obviously later in the show. But the the Chargers had like 200 plus rushing yards last week. You're going to have to run a run against this team and then open up the pass. Last week it felt vice versa. Um, again, they had their chance, but no, I think you're right. You have to line it up, ground and pound, run. Zeke, Ramondre, back and forth throughout the entirety of the game, and then open up the passing game with some play action and things like that, and that's how you win this game. All right, so, Arkan, let's get to the uh, decisions from uh, Belichick. I know there were two of them. There was the fourth and three from the 17, and then there was the later in the game. You're outside the two-minute warning. You got three timeouts. You can manage that uh, whole deal, which uh, where do you start on that? I was more offended by the uh, by not taking points, and I know that Bill said, "Hey, and by the way, when he when he addressed this, he gave the wrong time. He said, "Oh, it was only six minutes left. There was nine minutes left uh, when you decided not to take those three points." And I thought that was a big mistake. Like I just said, there was only three scoring drives in the entire game. You weren't getting a lot of points. You weren't able to sustain long drives. I thought that was an opportunity to, at the very least, sort of keep pace with them. The Eagles, by the way, hadn't scored a touchdown since the first quarter. Right. So it's like. You know, how worried are you about that, really? If they're kicking field goals, you kick field goals. That way you can stay within a touchdown, which, as it ended up, you know, I mean, uh, that that would have helped them a lot. But that, I thought, with that for me, that was the ugly. Uh, the decision-making down the stretch, that was the ugly for me. Yeah, the first one didn't bother me. The second one way bothered me more. It's a five-point game. You don't know that Anderson's going to end up getting the hold on the two-point conversion. That would have worked out. That changed to me. The hold on the two-point conversion changed the context of the first decision. Mm, But the second one, Belichick has told us for years, we do what we think is best for the team. You cannot argue with three timeouts and you're outside the two-minute warning in a five-point game that taking the field position wasn't the best way to go right there. You're leaning on your defense. Cripes almighty, he made a decision, whatever it was, 12 or however many years ago, to go for it deep in Indianapolis territory and try to get it to Kevin Falk on fourth and two. And then it's going for it, especially after you get a penalty. When you've got the ability to control the situation, to me, that isn't reacting to the actual score. Like, I get what Arcan is saying is you miss certain points. Okay, that's fine. That's a retrospective move. But in the moment, with three timeouts and the two-minute warning, how do you not punt the ball there and try to play field position? Yeah, it felt like they were just sort of giving up at yeah. that point. It's like, all right, mm. if we can get it here, great. We still have a chance, and if not, game over. So we're just going to kind of chuck one. And then they throw it short of the sticks as well. And it's like, it that one made no sense to me. The fourth and three, I go back and forth on it because I look at the kicker, right? And it's Chad Ryland now. And if you don't trust your kicker to make, what, a 20, 30-something yard field goal in that sense, you should have never got rid of Nick Folk in the first Absolutely. place. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. if that's what the decision was, like, look, I don't trust this guy right now, then shame on Bill for getting rid of Nick Folk. But I don't think that was the case. I think they just kind of wanted to, again, try and grab more points there than just three and make it an easier decision later on. And, of course, it backfires and fails. But 
Um, if it, again, if it came down to the kicker, then that's a disgrace. Yeah, I'm with you, and I don't think it did. And me, uh, and, and you know what? And we will really find out today, right? Uh, because I know that. And again, we've been in such a weird weather pattern here; it's so odd. I went to the Weather Channel app, and it said that there could be some rain this evening, and we know that the the hurricane did kind of blow through. So, will the winds be picked up? If, if there is any sort of weather down there at Gillette. Then and they don't end up kicking in certain situations, then you definitely have right. to ask the question as to where Bill is at. And look, I go all the way back, and I know I sound like an old head here, but I go all the way back to 06. I remember when Vinatieri ended up missing, you know, one or two, whatever it was in Denver in the playoffs. They moved on from him. They draft Goskowski, and good Lord, that whole 06 season, until Goskowski hit a big kick in a mm-hmm. big spot in San Diego mm-hmm. on the road, it was like a lead story every week where people were like, oh, my God, what about the kicker? Because Vinatieri had sort of put it in our heads that the kicker actually matters. So it is worth uh, keeping an eye on. We are going to get to the Miami game. How do you deal with the speed of Miami? Will John Jones be able to put a representative effort together? Uh, and then how do the Dolphins stop the Patriots on offense? Because when we look at the Dolphins' defense against the Chargers, it was pretty poopy to say the least. Coach Wiggins will be aboard with his three keys to the game. That's coming up at uh, 1045. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston at 11 o'clock. The Reverend is in at 1125 with his breakdown. And we are out of here a little early today for Red Sox baseball. 15 with Foyer. We'll be at noon with our guy Christian Foyer. Uh, so Stiz got stitched. So Arkans got your trending here on WEI Football Sunday. Your home of the Sox. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Patriots getting ready for their Week 2 matchup with the Dolphins at Gillette Stadium tonight. Kickoff is at 820. Trent Brown, City So, Jonathan Jones, Cole Strange, Devontae Parker, all listed as questionable. Mike Onwenu was as well. However, Jeremy Fowler reporting yesterday that Onwenu is trending upward, barring surprise, should be available, and the team eased him back from his ankle injury. The Pats have also elevated linebacker Calvin Munson and wide receiver Jalen Rager from the practice squad. They are eligible to play tonight. Elsewhere in the NFL, in the AFC East, I should say, Raiders and the Bills kicking off at 1 o'clock in Buffalo. The Jets will pay a visit to the Cowboys at 425. Red Sox lost last night in Toronto 4-3. They try and avoid the sweep today as they play their third and final game of the series against the Blue Jays. Nick Pavetta on the mound. He'll be facing Hinjin Ryu for the Jays. First pitch at 135. Will Fleming and Lou Merloni have the call for you right here on the Shaw's and Star Market, WEEI, Red Sox Network, Shaw's Perfecting the Art of Fresh. Mark Dondero gets you ready for the game starting at 1235 with the Mass Mutual pregame show, Mass Mutual Insurance Planning Investments. I'm Christian Arkin. That's what's trending. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back to WEEI Football Sunday on WEEI. I don't know if I'm saying this to a room full of people that are too young to uh, grasp this one, but the Miami Dolphins little song that they play in the stadium, do we all agree that it is ripped off from the old Houston Oilers from back in the day and that they're uh, engaging in thievery, these Miami Dolphins? You're talking about Miami has the Dolphins, that one? Yep, that great. I didn't, know that, I didn't know that was a ripoff, but oh, I, yeah. I don't doubt it. Those uh, Miami people had never have an original thought in their life, so uh, way that too makes old sense. For me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, oh, yeah, I the way, uh, yeah the, there used to be the uh, the Houston Oilers in the uh Was it like the same the, words, basically? Uh, kind of. It's sort of the, the same theme. Like, there are, like, like, you'll notice that there are... Houston uh, has the Oilers. Da, 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 something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah okay. but, they, but you notice that, like, some institutions Institutions of higher learning have like similar fight songs. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, my alma mater, URI, there's a lot of stuff that's really similar to the University of North Carolina, except they call it Keeney Blue, not Carolina Blue. Uh, and the, if you listen to the uh, if you listen to the fight songs that their teams get to sing occasionally because they don't win very much, <laughs> you'll notice that they're uh, very similar in nature. Uh, but the Dolphins went out on the road last weekend, uh, and they got pushed around by the Chargers a little bit, although the Dolphins get the win 36-34, to 34, and... How do you guys unpack the enigma that is Tua Tungavailoa? I look at Tua, and I, I've sort of had a mixed feelings about Tua because when he's healthy, he looks really good. Like, he's he's smart. He, he kind of reminds me of Mac Jones in a way. He's smart with the football, doesn't have the strongest arm, manipulates defense with his eyes, and again, when he's healthy, he looks good. But it's so hard to trust him, so I think that... When he's not on the field, I'm always like, oh, Tua stinks. He's not out there. He's not trustworthy. And then that sort of bleeds into my thoughts on his play. When really, every time he's out there, he's really damn good. Like, he threw for 466 yards last week. So, when he's upright, he's good. I think the Patriots will be able to slow them down a bit with what they do on defense because they have this whole, you know, spin the dial idea of, you know, changing their coverages and they have a bunch of different, this amoeba-like defenses with, you know, all these corners and safeties that can play all over the place. So I think that's how they're going to try and do it today. I know we'll get into it more in depth. But, I mean, as far as Tua, I think if he's healthy, he's a tough task. Really where, you, where you at on Tua, Arkan? I think Tua is uh, an enigma in a lot of ways, but mainly it's just, you know, you look at you look at the numbers that he put up, you look at what an MVP candidate he was last year going into, uh, you know, the, those weeks when he got hurt, and it just seems like there's uh, there's something there and something that I think can be demonstrative for the Patriots, too. And I know what you were sort of saying about, you know, wide receivers and people overvaluing them, and I do think there is, uh, in some cases, people do tend to do that. But I also think that if you give a young quarterback a, a strong offense and, you know, sort of surround him with guys that can make plays and sort of pump up his numbers and get him sort of feeling confident and all those other things, that can make a big deal. That can make a big deal and a big difference in a young quarterback's trajectory. And I feel like the Patriots have done the opposite of that right. with Mac Jones. So that's sort of where I am with Tua. I feel like in a lot of ways he's a product of his environment, but I do think that that environment's important. I rail against uh, the whole wide receiver deal because 
it's now being positioned that if you don't have one, you can't win. And yet there are there's a, a whole look at the look at the top eight pass catchers that got over a uh, hundred catches last right. year and see how many of them ended up in a championship game or in a Super Bowl when it was all said and done. That's why I rail against the narrative because people have turned it into almost the wide receivers are more important than the quarterback. Right. And it's like, all right, let's kind of slow the roll a little bit here. The one thing that jumped out to me was uh, Miami, I don't even think they really tried to run the ball very much last week. And I don't think they're a a great running team. Uh, and I wonder how they'll kind of balance that out against New England because they know that if, they, if, if Tua's going to stand back there 45 times, I don't think the Patriots are going to attack the Dolphins the same way the Chargers did. They'll heat him up. They'll blitz him. As you said, Catholic, I like that. The old spin the dial right. where you figure out different coverages. They're going to throw stuff that is way different than that Rube in L.A. And the more <laughs> that that guy coaches, the more it's easier for us to be like, okay, he might be he might be decent, but he's not the guy that's going to get him over the hump. Right. I I want to talk about Brandon Staley for a second now that we're talking about him. That That's a oh, guy sure. who, like, when they started out there in L.A. when he first got there and, you know, Herbert was slinging the ball across the yard, which he, he still does. But when they were going for those, like, fourth and threes, fourth and twos mm. all the time, I loved it because I was like, <laughs> stick, stick to your guns, go score points. Like, who cares what, they, what everybody else thinks? And it's gotten to a point now where it's detrimental to the team. Like, that Chargers team could have been gotten a lot further in the playoffs last season, and instead they made stupid mistakes down the stretch because of their head coach, and they lose to the Jaguars. So that, that's my thought on Brandon Sale. I just had to get that out there. I, I, well, no, we, we have a lot of, uh, and I would say that going for it all the time on fourth down in concept sounds really cute right. and really nice just like a lot it's of like other that. just like a lot of other things <laughs> in our country that sound cute and nice until it gets applied and then right. the politicos go oh wait a minute <laughs> that sounds like a good concept but we can't practically apply that and i feel like that's what's going on on fourth down in the nfl right. like there's a little bit of a sliding scale it's not a go for it all the time it's like the uh never draft a kicker yeah, well, guess what? If I'm one guy away and I think I can get a good kicker, I'm going to draft the right. guy to make. But, again, that's another rant for another time. After Waddle and Hill are canned, who scares you on the Dolphins? Um, not really anybody. And that's know? why. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Kind of and, and that's why <laughs> that's I think there is a little bit of an advantage there for New England because, look, if, if we're sitting here next week, and Braxton Berrios had the game of his life because yeah. they ended up going to him, then you know, we'll end up having a little bit of a different discussion. But after Hill and Waddle, after that, Maybe Raheem Mostert is the guy you. I worry. liked him in the, on the Niners a few years ago. He doesn't. I don't know. I don't really feel like is uh, there's much for him to do. Uh, the tight end, um, Durham Smythe, Smythe. He's a he's a decent player. He had a couple of catches last week, so he's not totally useless. But I mean, yeah, outside outside of those first two guys, and yeah, maybe Barrios on returns. Like there's uh, and Cedric Wilson. But I guess, that's isn't not terrible. something to necessarily write off either. It's a, like we're making it sound easy. Like oh. Once you cover Tyree Kill right, and Jalen exactly. Walter, you're fine. Like <laughs> it's not going to be easy. John Jones banged up, so look, it's it is t- two of the fastest wide receivers in football against a banged up secondary already in week two. So it, it's not going to be as easy as oh, just take away Tyreek, just take take away Waddle, and you're going to win this football. And game. then River Craycraft's going to get <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. He had a touchdown last <laughs> River week. River yeah. Craycraft. Yeah. That might, sounds like a made get up in the name. End zone. Yeah. yeah, it does. But he might, you know. That sounds like a mad name. Yeah, like, right. you know, because Belichick wouldn't uh, allow himself to be an idiot. It would say just New England coach. Yeah, or they would any make coach. A, that sounds like one of the names that they would make up to it be. It sounds like a boat. 
Oh, it does. Yeah, yeah that's true. Craycraft, you're it's right. 2024 River Craycraft. Head to Craycraft <laughs> Boats, everybody. It'll be able to get your uh, whatever, your 30-foot uh, whatever today. Uh, boy. So the Dolphins have to fix defensively them getting completely run over 40 carries, 233 yards. But if you look at Eckler and Kelly last week for the Chargers, those two guys combined for 32 carries, 100, or excuse me, 208 yards and two touchdowns. Do the Dolphins have a problem defending the run here, Arkan? Yeah, I think they do. I think that's going to be a major problem for them and one that uh, could dog them all year. Now, that's a big reason why I think the Patriots need to get the run game going. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you look at last week and you remember all these rookies and everybody on the offensive line and thinking, how are they going to be able to block all these uh, pass rushers with Philly? And it ended up they blocked him just fine, but they couldn't run block. Right. And that's sort of what you think of, right? Like, Crash, like when you think of like a bunch of guys in their first game ever in the NFL, well, it's probably easier for them to just go push the guy in front of them and, uh, and clear a path. And they yeah. couldn't do that. That you know? D line was that, that will be the second best defensive line they play all year in Philly. Yeah. yeah. Depending on whether Quinn Williams is upright with right. the Jets. So, yeah, I do think the Dolphins have a problem with that, but I also think the Patriots have a run blocking problem. And I hope that, the, you know, if on when you play, that should help. But, uh, I like to see them sort of snap out of that today. I was going to say it, it's going to be up to Onwenu as far as what they what they do running the football today because and we talked about it in the first segment, but not just running the ball as like a change of pace and actually getting you know a six lineman in there or a third tight end like a Farrell Brown who can actually run block who's not mm-hmm. like a de facto wide receiver like Henry and Gesicki to go in there and shove it down their throat just like the Chargers just did last week because that's how you're going to win this football game and I think that. That's how the Patriots are going to want to win down the stretch, too. So you can't throw up another another dud like you did last week running the football. It just can't happen. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you. I have faith that they're going to run it against. I'm not a fan of the Miami defense. Uh-huh. And they went and got Jalen Ramsey, and that's a nice, splashy ad two years ago. Now he's just a guy who, by the way, got hurt, and right. now he's out till December. A true Byron Jones replacement in every way. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, he I gets mean, in there, he gets hurt right away. Isn't it crazy <laughs> that the guy got in there, he gets dinged up, now he's done till December, and then it's kind of, okay, what do they have, you know, what are they dealing with on the back end? Right. And I, I do, uh, there's also a transition going on in Miami as well. If we're going to be fair, they bring in Vic Fangio to be the new coordinator down there. It's going to take some time mm. for those guys to kind of all get uh, settled in. And that's where the Patriots have to uh, find a way to take advantage today. 1033 WEI Football Sunday. It's Gresh. It's Arcand. It's Mike Cadlick. Uh, Tommy Curran will join us at 11 o'clock. The Reverend's Breakdown coming your way at 1125. And... Um, I know that uh, because we have a shortened show today, we got to move some things around a little bit. Let's talk about what happened to the New York Jets mm. on the, on opening night. And now they're stuck between a rock and a hard place because all of hard knocks, it was, hey, Jesus and Cleats is here. He's going <laughs> to fix all our offensive problems. And then that guy gets hurt. And the dude that you have whether intentionally or unintentionally been crapping all over during camp because you had Aaron Rodgers is now the guy running things. I mean, it's It's crazy. It's choice, isn't it? 
the Jets, it just it just happens to them. They it don't is. even have to try. It just happens to them. It is unbelievable how that it, how, just how quickly it happened. Like that was, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Even if it was like the first game or you know in the first series at some point, it was right away. I mean, that just it was it was the third or the fourth uh, yeah, drop back that he point. had, which is just I mean ridiculous. And I don't know. I mean, I I've never been a Jets fan or anything like that, but I do think it was bad for the NFL that that happened. I thought that was a a major NFL storyline and definitely yep. something for you know the match in prime time this year and uh, and to have that sort of all go away quickly was uh, was a real shame but I don't count the Jets completely out of the AFC's picture here I don't think that they're going to win it but I don't think that uh, they're going to be sitting in the cellar all year either I think that they could be a spoiler for sure mm-hmm. and that defense I mean that's not the first time that Zach Wilson beat uh, the Bills. Right. Yeah, that happened. He beat them last year. And I know Mac Jones beat them twice last year, too. But it's not like, you know, they were covering those spreads. Like, you know, that was, I love uh, them today against Dallas, plus nine and a half. I do, too. I, I definitely do. And yeah. I know what Dallas did to the Giants last week. They're not going to do that to that Jets defense. Right. And if Brees Hall stays healthy this year. You know they could they could surprise some people, but yeah, I mean all in all that was a, that was a big blow to them and I think to the league in general. All off season, I was so high on the Jets, and everyone kept saying to me, "Oh, it's the Jets, it's the Jets. They can't yep. be good." And I'm like, "No, that's that doesn't matter. God like, won't let them." Yeah, I'm like, "No, that doesn't matter. You you have a good team. You finally have a quarterback. Just because they wear green and white, it doesn't mean that something bad automatically is going to happen to them." And four plays in, that's exactly what happened. If something bad happens to them, it is the goddamn Jets, and <laughs> it's just, it's it's funny, it's crazy. But I do, I'm with you, Arkan. I still think that defense. You still have Garrett Wilson. You still have Brees Hall. You still have. You don't have a great offensive line, but if Makai Becton can get get his crap together, I think that you can still you know establish a run and make it easier for Zach Wilson to play football. Bringing in Nathaniel Hackett was clearly a, an Aaron Rodgers thing, so I don't know how much he's going to be able to help Zach Wilson, but I think it's better than what they had in the past. So if Rodgers can stick around, kind of be like in Wilson's ear this season and kind of try and help them, I know I don't know how much that's really going to help, but I, I still think they can, they can stick around. Like you said, be a spoiler a little bit in the AFC. John Gruden is going to be great for them next year as the head coach <laughs> because this thing is going to crumble. Yeah. That idiot head coach... He's going to be just good enough to win eight, and then it'll be, oh, do we keep him around or not? And they'll right. fire him into the sun, and they'll go bring in another. It'll be another hand-picked person that Aaron Rodgers will be into because it's going to turn into the, hey, I'm not going to put in all this work if you're not going to give me somebody that right. I can win with. And- eight wins with Zach Wilson? You think they fire him for that? Oh, yeah. Oh, though, this is this is it for the Jets. Like, if they don't make the playoffs this year, I don't know how that owner can sell to those fans that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala are the answer. When even during camp, and again, I, I, you know, some dudes that I used to work with are still working on the fan in New York. Mm-hmm. Even some of their, like, diehard Jet fans were like, what, what is Robert Sala? Is he this hard-charging guy who's just like all gas, no brakes? Or does he have a little bit of clue to be able to put things in context? Because I didn't consume a ton of hard knocks, but enough of what I saw was (laughs) the, hey, this guy's here, he's going to fix everything. Now defensively we shouldn't have a problem. Oh, we're back to the guy that you defensive players all hated. That's the thing that I don't know how Robert Sala sells to his defense. Hey, guys. You had Aaron Rodgers. Now we had a great year, and we're going back to the guy that you all were like, oh, this dude right. sucks. So let's just trade for Kirk Cousins. Well, it's funny that you Man. say that because. Someone, too. At what point do they have to make the decision to go get someone 
for the Jets before too before it's too late. Stealing that win from Buffalo yeah. was massive for them because it at least bought them maybe an extra week for somebody else to peter out. But I do wonder, Arcan, like you kind of say that almost flippantly, but I do wonder if there is a point. Let's say they lose the next two. Do the Jets look around and go, boy? If we don't, if we waste the season, all our asses might be out of here. So NFL Network every Sunday. Rap Sheet and Pelissero kind of have like their breaking stories of the week and they, you know, kind of try and get their clicks out there, what have you. And so two of them this morning was the first one was, well, Tom Brady can actually come back because he's technically not an owner of the Raiders yet. That doesn't that doesn't go into effect until October. Okay. Yeah. So he is oh. able to come back <laughs> so without legally penalty. He can. Yeah, legally okay. he can so come back. So the transaction just hasn't cleared yet. Exactly. The money, and so the money was raised, it was in the queue. Yes. But when you're dealing with tens of millions of dollars, yes. it's not like, you know, grabbing your checkbook at <laughs> the at stop and shop <laughs> would and write up it? his ownership stake to play for the Jets, oh man. My that God. Would be, right. That would be a real big decision, wouldn't so it? So legally speaking, he can. <laughs> the other story is Rodgers wants to come back this season. Mm-hmm. He wants to play in the playoffs if he can. And this new high-tech Achilles ankle surgery that he got, similar to what Cam Akers the got Akers for the Rams, surgery, yeah. he came back for the postseason after tearing his Achilles, I think, in July. And so he played. I don't I don't remember how good he was, but it's also different playing running back to quarterback. Yeah. So and do they three months difference, right. too. Yeah. So do they mend the fence until then? Can you mend that fence with Zach Wilson? I mean, if you bring in Brady or if you bring in, they're not going to bring in Brady. But if you bring in a guy who's, you know, decent, if you bring that guy in like a Kirk Cousins, you're not going to replace him with Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, are you? If they're playing well and they no, and he got them there. Right. Yeah. 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 And so, I would think they would also look at the like Rodgers is definitely thinking short term as a yes. goal. If you're the Jets, even if there's a chance that you might not be the GM next year, you've got to think long term with right, that guy. Right, right. Like you can't put, you can't rush him back in. Here's the real problem for the Jets. Again, they stole the win against Buffalo, which really helps them. They play the Cowboys, the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Broncos, and the Eagles before they go into the bye. There's Have a, fun, Zach. <laughs> there's a chance that they're two and four, but that's the thing. And and to Arkan's point on the whole, when do they go get someone? Can they wait until week seven until maybe they're two and four and hit the bye and then try to go out and find somebody? Or do they need to go the... Philip Rivers, Joe Flacco, Matt Ryan route now to be able to pull those guys in to give them a couple of weeks to have them ready maybe to play against right. Kansas City. Yeah, that's uh, that. I think you if you wait till week six and you're two and four, you've waited too long. I kind of with you. I you got to do, do it sooner. You're either in on Wilson or you're not. Yeah, by that time, two and four. I mean, if you're trying to compete in the AFC, so I think at that point you're probably going to be close to out right. of it, if not all the way out of it. So at that point, go for the draft pick, right? Yeah. Or other, do they even have a first this year? Uh, oh no, they, they do. Trade. So how about this? Because oh, Rogers yeah. got hurt, right? They got to keep it, that right? converts yep. yeah, to yeah. a second. So what's crazy is, is that uh, let, you know, let's say the Jets are in the top ten, they still end up having their top ten pick. There could be a new regime, and then Green Bay ends up benefiting by having a top forty-five pick as well mm-hmm. sent over for a guy who uh, didn't even play this year. Uh, we will get to Coach Wiggins' keys to the game coming up. Tom E. Curran will uh, talk with us at 11. The Reverend's got his breakdown at 11.25. We also got the inactives coming out as well. We'll get to live your fantasies before the end of the noon hour and then 15 minutes with Foyer coming up at noon. So we got a lot to do on WEEI Football Sunday. But Coach Wiggy's keys to a Patriots win over the Dolphins is next. 
Now, more of the guys. This is WEEI Football Sunday on WEEI. Ladies and gentlemen, here at WEEI, we have many people who think they could be coaches, namely Chris Scheim. The only thing he could coach is someone putting together a charcuterie board. But nevertheless, we have Coach Jermaine Wiggins, who is a part of the Greg Hill Morning Show. And of course, here on WEEI Football Sunday, Coach Wiggins will leave us his keys to the game. We know that uh, Wiggs off to an 0-2 start as the uh, head coach of Brockton, but it was their two toughest games on the schedule, I've been told. So we'll see how that goes the rest of the way. All right, Stiz, let's get to the uh, first key for Coach Wiggins here today. Hey, what up? Coach Wiggy here. My three keys to the game for Sunday, very simple. Number one, establish the run early. We talked about that. Mm -hmm. Got to run the ball early, and why wouldn't you run it at this uh, Miami defense that was uh, really putrid? last week in uh, trying to stop down the run. That the only thing I would one. say yep. is in the reason why they couldn't really do it against Philly, and I did think it was a problem, but when you're down 16 nothing in the first quarter, you know it's what? hard to establish the run. That's a good point. So and take it, care of that ball. It's funny because we talked about all the sort of the penalty mistakes and things like that along the way. I mean, that first quarter should have set up for disaster right, the yeah. way it went. And unlike Zeke, you know, like what? It was what? Like six years, he had like two fumbles yeah. or something like that. In one of his first like ten touches here, the guy puts the ball on the ground. It was yeah. like a reverse Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. It, it was he never fumbled here, and then he went somewhere else. It was right very jet like. It was <laughs> yeah. like, oh yeah, we bring in this guy who's healthy, and then he rips his Achilles. And all right, number two, Wigs. Number two, don't let Tyreek Hill beat you with one play. Now. The Patriots have done, on the whole, a pretty good job against Tyreek Hill. Yeah. I run this by you guys. My theory on number one receivers is uh, if you can hold them to 100 but keep them out of the end zone, fine. I'll sign up for that right now. Even 125 yeah. and you keep them out of the end zone, that's the that's the killer. Like Tyreek Hill had the 11 catches for over 200. It was getting in the end zone twice. That was the killer. And it's the big plays, too. You talk about number one wide receivers or guys like that, like Devontae Smith. I know he's technically there, too, for Philly, but he goes on Thursday and he beats uh, the Vikings for, like, a 60-yard touchdown, and that's the dagger in that. It's going to be the same with Hill and Waddle. If you can at least contain them and get them off the field, you'll be fine. But if Waddle goes and breaks off a slant for 60 and a touchdown, and same with Hill, that's where you're going to kind of end up screwed. Arkan, where are you at on Gonzalez today? matching up and how they will use Christian Gonzalez. I have a funny feeling that they're going to give him a couple of cracks at Tyree Kill as much as with Jalen Waddle. Yeah, well, Jonathan Jones is the guy who's been assigned the Hill recently with help a lot of the times, but I right. mean, that's been a, a matchup that he's taken on and he's done pretty well with that. I mean, it's not bad. Uh, Tyree Kill early in his career with the Chiefs was a menace and he used to, I remember him running past both McCordy's and, uh, yeah. you know, no one could get near him and it was just, you know, it was one of those things. They've figured out ways to sort of uh, contain him and I do sort of think that even if even with that I mean I remember a couple of years ago Duke Johnson ran all over them uh, the the day that Jalen Waddle set yep. the rookie receiving record in that game out in Miami so there's other ways that the Dolphins can uh, beat the Patriots and have before but in terms of uh, Gonzalez which is what you asked me sorry Greg in terms of Christian Gonzalez I wouldn't I wouldn't assign him all game to anybody I would have them moving around. I'd be trying different looks. I'd be trying different zones and stuff like that. I wouldn't 
I wouldn't want to put a rookie out there one-on-one with either of those guys. So uh, for his career, Tyreek Hill has averaged nearly 92 receiving yards over six regular season games against the Patriots. Uh, looks like 36 catches for a 550 and six touchdowns in six games against New England. And for as much as those numbers are impressive, you're like, okay. Even a hundred and a tutty, I'll sign up for it right, right. now because uh, you know what this guy can do in terms of uh, wrecking defenses. All right, the final coaching point from Wiggy. And number three, make sure you protect Mac Jones. And that's the coach. All right, there you go. Coach Wiggins with his uh, basic keys yep. as he's walking out the door on a Friday. <laughs> no, I it's love true, Wiggy, though. Thank keep you for him, doing that. Keep Mac upright. That's the way, that's the way you got to do it. You did it last week. Do it again, and he can he can go back there and cook. Now, I know that we're not going to get in the 1130 inactives anything for the Patriots. Haven't seen anything out there in terms of Trent Brown. So if anybody disagrees, it feels like Andrews will be in there. It feels like Onwenu will be in there. I'm going to assume that it's going to be Calvin Anderson to get a right tackle. At left guard, it's kind of up in the air at this point. It's either probably going to be Moffey or Strange is yeah. going to get in. The real question is, can Trent Brown get back out there at left tackle? So we were talking about this before, but so Trent Brown and City So are dealing with concussions that both didn't practice all week. Seven Patriots last season entered concussion protocol. None of them played the following week. I think that's bad news for Trent Brown. I would be surprised if he plays after not practicing all week and dealing with a concussion. And if that's the case, I think you move Anderson to left tackle and put him on Max Blindside because uh. he was more reliable. He actually played well last week for someone who didn't practice all offseason. You move him to Max uh, Blindside, then you piece it together with one of Lowe or Wheatley on the right side. At least he's front side, and if he if he moves, you're not going to get Mac killed. So that would be my take if Trent's not in. Um, you buying that, Arkin? Yeah, I think that that's probably the best way to go about it. It's important. I mean, you're, you're talking about a pretty one-sided uh, pass rush there with Chubb and uh, Agba right. on that one side, and those are the guys that you probably worry about the most other than Wilkins, but he's not as much of a, you know, go-after-the-quarterback type. But I think that that's, you know, that's exactly right. The tackles are going to be the tackles are going to be really important tonight. Yeah. And uh, we'll see if anybody gets uh, ruled out beforehand. Just did a quick check of seeing if there was anything on Trent Brown. And unfortunately for us, that is the negative of having the Sunday night game, is that as we sit here on Sunday morning trying to get everybody ready to go, uh, we are operating without knowledge when it comes to guys like uh, Trent Brown. Of course, we know this one is big for the Patriots. Uh, Trent Brown, among the guys on the injury report, we will get to that next hour but we start off hour two at 11 o'clock with Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston next on WEEI Football Sunday. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.